Welcome to another episode of Across the Line. On this episode, we've got Anto Gonzalez on the show and we talk about everything from his playing career to his coaching career, his life with UP, Claret, and the national team. We talk about the under-22s, what he sees for the future of Philippine football. All of that is contained in a juicy episode for you, so please do enjoy it. And if you enjoy the football content that we provide on Across the Line, please do subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review, tell a friend about it, and to find us on social media across the line on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Across the Line. And today we've got a very special guest on the show. No Chris Greatwich today, so it's just Jing Hamlang. But today we've got uh, a real how should you call it uh, a real institution in, in Philippine football you know uh, especially with my generation uh, everybody will know his name uh, eight time UAP champion twice as a player six times as a coach one time as the women's champion five times as the men's uh, he's coached the youth national team uh, under 22s under 15s uh, he's coached the senior side he's played for the senior side his credentials are amazing and it's a real pleasure to have you on the show Anto Gonzalez welcome to Across the Line thank you Jing uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to be here finally yes yes <laughs> thanks it's, for having me it's been a very busy schedule for you yeah. right um, you have been undertaking twice a days with your men's and women's team yes. in the University of the Philippines UAP will start in a um, Months time, yeah. So we're really in the thick of the preparations, and you guys, you fit us in. I, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, I've been following the podcasts, and you know, I I, I love the to- topics, the the guests, you know, um, and it's very informative. Yeah. Uh, it it provides a lot of insight on Philippine football. So I, hopefully, I can contribute contribute something yeah, to, to the discussions definitely definitely I, I'm confident you will so what are you what are you busy with right now obviously um, you're getting close to close to the next UAP season which is a priority uh, for yes. you f- both for the men's and women's um, what, what what are preparations looking like at the moment um, right now we're, we're doing uh, like what you said twice a day sessions mm-hmm. for both the men's and women's teams um, we're deep into our tactical preparations, um, some conditioning work also. Um, and of course, we, we're trying to build uh, the cohesion of, of the team. Um, so we're really trying to get everyone more confident. You know, uh, We hope to get um, everyone playing their best football by the start of the season. You've been one of the most successful coaches over the last 10 years in the UAP in particular. Um, what has been the secret to that? I mean, I, f- I feel like you've you've developed such a consistent program over the last few years. Uh, what do you think is the reason behind the, the success you've achieved so far? I, I believe um, we've been fortunate, you know, to have some pretty good players mm. in the squad also. Um, and we've established the kind of culture um, that's like, uh, to be honest, we, we, we don't mention winning as part of our objectives but I feel like we have that winning culture mm. so to speak um, uh, winning in a sense that we, we, we build um, the winning mentality in a way that uh, we, we want each player to you know reach his or her full potential mm. and um, the support system is also um, in place um, we 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 really come together um, as a team. Um, like 
there are no you know um, subgroups for for our teams and um, everyone helping out each other and then we've also been quite fortunate to to have very good mentors um, aside from support system within the group we have uh, a very good support system outside of the teams also um, most notably um, a lot of our, our UP alumni as well mm. um, both uh, former var- varsity players and non-varsity players who have been, you know, very instrumental in uh, providing um, the necessary support, you know, for for the kids to just be able to focus on on um, performing at their best. What kind of support is that? Monetary support. Monetary, um, uh, of course, moral support. Yeah. I think um, we have the best best crowd. During the games, sure, and yeah. the loudest, sometimes rude, but <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate their their presence. Um, yeah, it's it's we we have a very strong support from the UP community. Yeah, and that, that plays a very huge role for for our players to perform at their best. That's an interesting thing you, you mentioned at the top, though. You said you know you guys have a winning culture, but you guys don't mm. talk about winning. Yes. So what do you guys speak about? Targets, goals. Yeah. Um, tangible goals intangible goals um, we try to veer away from the idea of winning games just to reach the championship mm-hmm. um, there will be games where we would win convincingly mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the scoreline but we wouldn't be happy with our performance so we set we set objectives um, per game and winning is not one of those objectives mm. and we just try to progress with each passing game yeah. so whatever needs to be improved from the previous game we try to bring that towards the next game so it's just constant improvement rather than you know just getting getting a win right now, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of your preparations for this upcoming season but what do you what, 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 what can you run me through an example of what would you, what would you be telling your boys or your your girls for that matter as well at this point in time of the season um like what i said we're very particular with constant improvement mm-hmm. so every training session like we 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 have we we set a topic right for example okay we want to improve our our transition offense in the middle third um so we'll come up with a plan um and of course this assessment uh we come up with a plan based on our weaknesses from let's say the last match okay and then we come up with that plan and then try to address the the weakness and then um, we we try to improve it um, into the next game mm-hmm. so if we, we meet our objectives then even winning or regardless we win or we lose yeah. if we meet our objective then for us it's it's a success. Mm. Um, we never, we never attribute our success to winning. Right. It's always reaching the goals, the targets that we set for ourselves. Very interesting. And it, it's a very competitive um, landscape that you mm-hmm. find yourself in right now in the UAP. When you look at the last ten years, I believe um, there have been three for you for UP. I believe mm-hmm. in the in the men's. Uh, if I'm talking just men's, three for for UP. Um, there's been two for Ateneo, uh, two as well for FEU. Yeah. So it's been it's been there's been a lot of parity involved in the UAP. Um, 
is that something that has always existed in the university competition or do you feel as if mas maganda yung distribution ngayon ng talent or is it a coaching thing? What do you think is the reason behind um, such competitiveness in the UAAP over the last 10 years? I think um, most schools have really upped their recruitment process. Mm. Um, a lot of the, you know, the the provincial, the, the good provincial players are already trying their, um, are already playing here in, in, in the Manila. UAP, in Manila. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was playing um, UAP football back in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, between 1999 to 2004, um, it was UP, USD. Um, and during my latter playing years at Teneo. Mm-hmm. Um, but one common, one common um, characteristic of the, the more successful teams um, is, is really the, the, the recruitment. It, it plays a, a huge role. Um, and then another thing is once you've built a, a, a winning culture, um, it's, it's hard to, you know, to... Um, it it just gets passed on, right? From one 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 year, one one generation to one generation. another, um, and uh, it 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 takes a while for it to you know to wane down, mm-hmm. um, especially when you know th- there's a coaching change, um, there's a leadership change. Yeah. Um, fortunately for us in UP, um, we've 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 had continuity of the program. So even if we like change players yeah. um, because the culture is in place, the philosophy in pla- is in place. And it's very easy for our seniors to pass it down to the younger players. I think um, that's one key ingredient for, for successful teams. Right. Uh, right now, you have been coaching UP now for how many years? I started 2008. 2008. Wow. So like that's 11 years, 11 years. Of, of coaching UP. Yeah, for the men's team. For the men's team. Uh, for the women's team, I started 2013. Right, and right now it's uh it's gonna be a tough road back. I mean, for the women, it's a yeah. three peat now for for the women's team of, the of South, De La Salle yeah. University. Is it looking like they're gonna be strong for defending their title next year? Or? I think they're they're still the number one contender. Mm. Um, they've they have very good recruits. Yeah. Um, their team is pretty much intact. Mm. They still have um, Sarah Castaneda. Um, uh, Mendano, Alicia de, del Campo, mm-hmm. so it's still a pretty strong squad. And then you have USD um, and FEU. FEU is um, right in the mix for the top two spot in the women's league right now. Okay. So and they they've improved tremendously as well. So it's it's gonna be a very competitive um, UAP seasons for season for the w- women's. Um, uh, category for 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 the men, it's been kind of a an exchange game with you and you in in Ateneo over yeah, the, last, the last few years. The last few years. Um, how do you feel about this upcoming season? Um, our the core of our team is is still intact. Um, our story last season was we we thought we had a strong group. Yeah. Um, but we we felt that we were we didn't really play as a team the mm-hmm. whole season um, we had our, our moments but um, 
we, we weren't as cohesive as the previous years or um, during like our championship year and uh, the year before. Um, so that's one thing we're, we're trying to bring back uh, in the squad for this coming UAP season. Um, the cohesiveness and really just the, the firm desire you know, to, to make the necessary, necessary sacrifices for, for the team because we, we feel that we still have a good squad. Yeah. But um, it's a matter of you know, coming together and yeah, me, uh, playing for each other. Yeah, uh, Takar, ta- Fidel Takardon is he back into full fitness? Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Um, he's still recovering. Mm, it's a big miss. He's a he's a huge talent. That kid, huh? He Fidel. is. He is. Takardon. Um, yeah, actually, I I, I I see him as as the next big thing, mm. big uh, thing in terms of homegrown talent. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone in the country right now is as smart as he is um, at the youth level. Yeah. Um, so much potential for for that kid. Speaking of um, potential, uh, you get an opportunity. You are in a unique position to see a lot of the rising talent that's coming through the ranks in the Philippines, right? Uh, you coach the under-15s. Uh, as mentioned, you also are a mentor for the under-22, which I'd like to talk about at, at length a little later on. Um, but also being involved with UP, seeing all the recruits, not only from your team, but the recruits of FEU, the recruits of UP, uh, of USD and, and the like, and Ateneo. Um, you see what's coming through, so uh, I want to know, like, um, what do you? What is your assessment on the current generation that is coming through? It, has there been a stark improvement from the recruits that you were seeing in 2019 to those that you were seeing back when you started in UP? Definitely, there is. I think there there's more quality um, in the last four or five years. Um, it can be attributed to you know the imp- uh, the improved um, coaching education of the country. Uh, I think we have better coaches, um, and then more competitions, um, especially in key areas like Cebu, Davao, um, and there are like some provinces who have started to pick up, like Zamboanga, um, uh, Northern Mindanao, um, Iloilo. In the, you know, Iloilo was was the a hotbed, a hotbed, yeah. Um, in the past, um, but uh, they're starting to pick up again. Um, there are a number of uh, Ilongo players um, in USD, and um, yeah, I, I think quality-wise, uh, the the kids um, these days are 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 better compared to to my time 10, <laughs> 15 years ago. So it's just a matter of coaching, matter of um, having more opportunities to play yes, the game. What in, in coaching do you think in particular uh, has been the, the biggest contributor to the footballers that you're seeing today? What, what has changed in terms of coaching? I think because we've, we've, we have more licensed coaches, Sure. Um, the approach, the coaching approach, the, co- thing, the coaching me- methodologies um, are more scientific. Um, there's like more coaches are now aware of um, periodization which is very important uh, especially in collegiate football Um, before it was just all about maybe technical development Mm -hmm. Um, now when you go through your your coaching courses you get introduced to the science behind the the sport the psychology behind the sport so all of these um, areas um, play a a huge role in developing uh, a talent and uh, we've we've si- significantly improved 
um, in our know-how on those on those areas. What is what, what do you mean by periodization? Sorry, ah, uh, this is like um, when you uh, there's like a ma- microcycle and a macrocycle. Okay. So you plan your your training intensity, load duration, um, based on your target competition date. Mm. So um, you start with your off season, and then in during off season you try to establish your endurance, strength endurance, sure. um, aerobic endurance, technical work, and then as you move into like um, early preseason, then you move into um, more an anaerobic type of endurance, more um, strength, mm. um, and then as you move to um, late preseason, this is like the month before your first game for the competition. So ab- around where you're at at the moment yeah. for the UAP? Yeah. Um, so you work on your speed, your power. So basically, the periodization program is geared um, in such a way that you want to perform um, at your peak right, by, right. by, let's say, the semifinals or the finals. Mm. So that, that's, that's the main purpose of the, of the periodization program. So hindi bara-bara. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> that's, that's what you're trying to avoid, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you don't want your players like losing gas in the yeah. middle of the season because you, 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 know, you built a program wherein there, w- there was no balance between loading and resting. Mm. It's interesting. Now you're up against uh, a lot of coaches who are equally well-educated as yourself. Uh, Coach JP Merida, obviously. Uh, you're up against uh, Alvin Ocampo now these days. Uh, you've got Coach Marjo. Um, who's in FEU at the moment right now? Uh, Coach Bobby Park. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Coach yeah. Bobby Park. Very smart. Very smart. You played Coach. alongside yeah. as well. Uh, no, no, no. We, we didn't get to play together oh, in you Meralco. Didn't cross. you didn't cross yeah, over anymore. When I moved back to Meralco, he was not there anymore. Ah. How much collaborating do you guys do as coaches? I mean, it seems like from the outside, mm-hmm. you guys are competitors, obviously, yeah, you're all yeah. on the pitch. For me, as a spectator outside, it's, mm-hmm. it's a breath of fresh air to see like, you know, oh man, Coach JP, I know how meticulous yeah, he is. Yeah, I know how yeah. hardworking he is. I know that you know, after a flight from Kaya, from Iloilo, he'll come to training four hours later mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. for the girls. The dedication is unreal. And then yeah. there's the likes of you and Alvin, and I know these people are just full-blooded you know, mm-hmm. football people. And they're there, and I know that you know the the level is being raised by you guys. But inside the trenches, alongside one another, do you guys share notes? Do you guys com- share progress, best practices? What's the culture like between the coaches? I think there's definitely a lot of mutual respect mm. that's a given, um, and most of us have one time or another, you know, played played together or played against each other. Um, with regards to like sharing notes, like. Maybe we we haven't been given that opportunity, or, um, but I've I've been meeting lately with with Alvin, um, to you know to discuss about youth development, um, since we're we're like aligned in a sense that we we want to see more homegrown players playing for our national teams, and we want um, uh, a better performance for our youth national teams as well. So we've we've talked a lot of about it lately um, but not you know in terms of UAAP strategies mm. or whatnot so we haven't we haven't really discussed like among ourselves you know 
Um, but definitely, there's a lot of mutual respect. Like, we're all friends. Sometimes, during games, you know, when it gets emotional, you know, there would be some some skirmishes. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, we're, we're here to help uh, Philippine football. Like, wh- whichever player from La Salle, you know, excels, then we... we we definitely would be happy to see yeah. to see that that guy uh, that that kid perform, and um, because you know I think most of the coaches, uh, the local coaches in the UAAP are are really for um, seeing homegrown yes. players progress into the national team. Even Coach Bobby Park, he was yeah. he was uh, very supportive with um, releasing his players for the for the U twenty two competitions mm-hmm. like. Uh, he he messaged me like coach, um, I really want to support you, and so you know we 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 allow our our kids or players to you know um, be involved with the national team program. So, so man, it's it's so difficult for me to wrap my head around your schedule. You know, you're you're coaching the the two teams. There was a time where you were still playing. In fact, until yeah. all the way until 2017, as you mentioned to me, while the mics were off. So. Um, you've been coaching since 2008. You're juggling playing. You're juggling two two teams. Once the the w- women's team became yours, mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of football on your hands. Uh, and then there was a time where you, just last year where you were also coaching the under 22 side. Mm-hmm. You went to the Merlion Cup. You went into an AFF Championship, and then obviously there was a Sea Games. Unfortunately, you weren't involved in that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you kept a close eye on it. What were your thoughts on the Southeast Asian Games performance? Let's talk about the men's first. I mean, this is this would have been right up your alley. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the performance? I thought we we got better as as, uh, as the competition went on. Um, definitely, we we got better with each passing game. Um, but I mean that that's the that's the trend for Philippine national teams, um, youth teams included, mm. um, and that that's a reflection that um, we we just don't do enough preparations. Right. Um, coaches not fully knowing the strengths and weaknesses of, of the players, um, not fully knowing what appropriate um, playing formation um, is is uh, beneficial for for the characteristics of the players. Um, it's that's a sad reality. Um, but you know, w- what's a given though is like the fighting spirit of the team for sure. Like during the last their last game against East Timor that was very very evident mm. and in as much as they they, it was such an admirable act thing to see from especially from from the more senior players like mm-hmm. Amani and Shock, you know pushing themselves to the limit yeah. um, you, you also feel for them because in a sense this is my opinion in a sense we didn't we didn't fully equip them um, for the SEA Games when in fact they could have done so much more, um, had we pr- help them prepare um, for 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 these games, so that's there's a good good side to it, like yeah. seeing them really fight. Um, but of course, um, you also feel bad that you know the the team can could have done so much more. What do you feel as if things could have been different? I mean, more time to prepare. Yeah, uh, more time to prepare definitely, but you know, preparation is relative. Yeah. Um other countries have prepared starting U14. 
I see. I see Vietnam, what you mean. Okay. Thailand. That long term, you mean? Not, yes. not talking about just this year. We're yes. talking about in general how to prepare them yeah. heading into what should be the final hurdle in their yes, development definitely. into uh, senior players, yeah, right? Definitely. Now, there's an interesting thing that happened in the trajectory of this under 22 team. Um, you look at the preparations, there was the Merlion Cup. Mm. Um, Philippines participated in that one, Singapore won. Um, we then pr- proceeded to go into an AFF championship. Mm-hmm. When you look at the squads of those two of the teams that competed in those first two tournaments and the Sea Games, that's essentially they ripped out the squad. Yeah. Um, so then, when you're looking at uh, utilizing the Sea Games as a means of, um, as a showcase of youth development, it it looks like there's a bit of a how how would you call it? There's a disconnect, disconnect. there. There's yeah. a disconnect, right? I mean, ninety percent of the individuals who participated in the Sea Games. Where are the Berlongans? Where are you know the the whole team mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. is gone? They got sidelined. Yeah. So what what happens to them? Uh, is my question like what, what what do we do to these kids who are essentially being primed mm-hmm. for their senior career? It seems like you know on the outside looking in that there's gonna be a bit of a a cluster. What's the right word for it? There's a situation. It's gonna be yeah, a problem, yeah. right? I mean, so what are your thoughts on on, on that situation? Okay, let, let's let's plot the timeline for the Sea Games preparations yeah. for the men's team. Um, uh, I was involved in the initial stages. Um, so we joined uh, the AFF competition in uh, late June. Ah, late January. Sorry. Late January. Late January. We had um, maybe around a 10-day preparation mm-hmm. for that. And we weren't able to, to secure the players that we, we wanted because the notice came too late. Mm. The, the UAP schedule was already set in place. Right. Um, so the UAP couldn't move the schedule anymore. Um, and... A lot of the teams, um, uh, because of the short notice, um, wasn't able to send their some of their players. Um, so we were left um, with no choice. But you know, we, we got a lot of the UP players um, because uh, we were allowed. Uh, the 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 agreement was if a school releases, um, I think, three or more players, then the games of that particular school would be moved. Delayed. Delayed. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I recall, yeah, you guys played very yeah. few games in that in yeah. that season, right. But then again, um some schools even even with this agreement, they they felt like um, you know, it would be a high risk for for them to release their players um too soon mm. on a short notice. Um so a, a lot of a lot of the players that we wanted didn't make it. Okay. Uh, and then so we went to the AFF competition um, uh, and then like the PFF's um, uh, main objective for joining the competition was you know uh, j- check check which players are you know potentially um, qualified for the SEA Games so just check them see see who's doing well who 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 do you think can perform at the sea games level so that was the the main objective so um but it, it it you know it was a very hard situation for for the rest of the team because um of course our minds were oh had we had we had this player then th- 
things could have been different could have right. performed better um and the the short preparation was 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 um definitely a dis- disadvantage um us not knowing some of the players fully well yeah um but you know filipino kids when they play abroad when they go out they don't think about whether they've prepared well enough or not mm. they will go out fighting so the 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 group really came out fighting um we during our first game against vietnam um we scored first um but v- vietnam came back with uh, two goals in the last 20 minutes mm. of the game um it could have been a huge result for for the team um and then and to think um the group that we had um mostly consists of players who haven't played professionally oh. they've only played at the UAAP level right and most of the players from the other countries vietnam singapore indonesia those boys are already playing professionally right right so we are really at a disadvantage you know it's it was very evident with the physicality of the game um and of course the the game sense maturity uh, aside from the fact that they've prepared as a team for a longer period of time and most of these teams um have you know rose up from the U14 team U16 team now into the U22 team so they they pretty much have an established um style of play and cohesiveness mm. um uh so so those were the the disadvantages that that we had and then coming back home uh we lost all our three games um and then uh the next competition was AFC okay um which was a bigger competition uh i i believe the, the team um was able to get more players is correct yeah um when was this competition i think uh it was may so tapos na uap at that time or almost finished almost finished well in the closing stages no um so it's it was the same story with the aff competition except for maybe having a few more quality players in the squad right um like a few days preparation and then the same thing with the merlion cup um so it's 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 uh it's a cycle like sure um and then after that last competition the merlion cup um uh there was a coaching change uh or like no not really a coaching change because uh, our our contract as coaches for the those competitions were on a per competition basis oh. so technically we were out of job as soon as the competition um concluded wow um so that was that was the timeline and then they got the coach for for the sea games team and then um the direction was to get uh more overseas players right right and um a lot of those players who were involved during the build up um didn't make it to the to the team that's right so how do you feel about that i mean obviously you saw an improvement right mm-hmm. there are th- the same teams that we struggled to play against in the AFC AFF mm-hmm. right this time you're able to maybe make it a little bit more competitive right but yeah. the team is composed however of players who are not produced here 
in the Philippines. You've got the likes of you know Bas, mm-hmm. uh, Galiantes, yeah. and the like who uh, who look as if um, they're promising young players. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, not produced here. So, yeah. how do you feel about the under twenty-two team being uh, supplemented with players from abroad, and sprinkled in with players uh, who are homegrown, mm-hmm. some who are not playing in their natural positions? But you know, what do you think about the the, the how the team was set up, and how and what effect that might have, mm-hmm. you know, on the national team program? Um, I would have been fine with it. Had this been way back in 2011, 12, when uh, right after the miracle in Hanoi. in Hanoi, um, there was a surge in football's popularity, and a lot of a lot of it was because of the the rise in quality of our team brought by the overseas players. Yeah. Um, I was all for it, but at the same time, um, I was also waiting for something to be built um, at the bottom so you you build the top yeah. okay um, getting the overseas players raising the level of play of also the the homegrown players um, bringing the the country like into from as low as rank 200 plus to you know as high as 124 130 sure okay Th- that's a huge improvement mm. um but then again, it will always have a ceiling um, because when you play bigger teams, um, Vietnam, Thailand, uh, when you play bigger teams, cohesiveness, a common style of play, an established style of play um, will, will, will be the most important things and not individual talent. What we have is individual talent. Um, Quality-wise, like... Galiantes has very good quality um, from before, like Shock, the Young Husband Brothers. They have very good quality, mm. um, but it can only bring us so far. Maybe we can beat the likes of Laos, the smaller countries mm. with individual quality. Um, when we're up against teams like Vietnam, who you know can play with their eyes closed because they they they've played together for a long time. They grew up. Um, under one playing system, um, they're very much aware of their own strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Then we won't have any chance at all. Sure. So, um, yes, that it, it, getting overseas players um, ha- has its advantages, but it's it has a ceiling. It's not sustainable. So, personally, in my opinion. We, I believe that we, we have to also build something from, from the ground up. Mm. And that's what I'm really, you know, passionate about. Um, and uh, seeing the recent SEA Games squad um, just, you know, um, fired up this passion some more. Like, as a youth coach in the country, as someone who has, you know, been been through through you know the ups and downs of philippine football um i i have i have this great sense of responsibility to to you know produce homegrown players um who can you know in the future play for the national team and you know i i i want to see one day and we can all be proud that hey all of these kids 
like develop their football here in the country yeah with the help of filipino coaches i think i think it was in the in the podcast with alvin that episode where they were talking about maybe you know it's difficult to find a very creative player something like a stefan schrock mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out there that is homegrown yeah um perhaps like maybe joven bedick is maybe like uh, a rarity in his capability to to be a creative uh, sort of outlet on the on the pitch how difficult is it to create uh, individuals of that mm-hmm. nature and do you think we have the capacity to 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 create a lot of those here in the in the country to be honest with you as long as football isn't played in the streets we won't produce such creative players i think it's it's the key ingredient to producing creative players kids have to have to play football on their own mm, mm. not guided outside of supervision outside of supervision because that's when they build the hours that's when they learn to solve problems mm. not with coaches around so it's it's um also one one thing i'm 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 really uh, um, I I want to push for you know is the promotion of the sport, right? Especially in the grassroots level, and um, I uh, PFF has its programs like the Kasibulan Project. Um, uh, it's like they hold the fo- festivals of football, like they introduce football to 500, 600 kids, right? Um, but it's just a one-time thing. It's it's not like continuous. Sure. What we need is something that you know you can just leave there and then it it can just grow. Um, so promotion, football promotion, is is one thing that that we we really have to also focus on, mm-hmm. not just building football from from the top. Um, yeah. Finding success with the Ascals, it's it's never gonna be enough. It seems though we've gotten lucky in that all right maybe in terms of youth development this last sea games wasn't the best you know i mean this crop uh, or the crop that was being nurtured for that competition didn't have an opportunity to you know mm-hmm. to to test themselves at that level to to expose themselves yeah. to that level um however because of the the competitiveness and the and the the, the closeness the proximity to qualifying that they got to mm. um has somewhat created a bit more attention on football again in mm-hmm. the country at least in terms of coming out to games and, and yeah. all of that so uh, it seems we have another opportunity similar to 2010 where we can utilize or parlay that that attention to creating grassroots programs yeah that seems it seems to be that way right and and Ivan who is the media officer of, of Ceres had an interesting conversation with people from Thai, from Vietnam mm-hmm. obviously they've been winning everything yeah lately yeah. they won the Suzuki Cup they won the sea games for men's and women's they say that the federation had nothing to do with mm-hmm. over the last 10 years it's been the clubs who have been making partnerships with high level academies and creating how i suppose a, a very strong entry into the public uh, domain mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. getting kids into football yeah. how do you feel about you know um that kind of approach rather than relying on the federation yeah. which seems to be um rather disappointing most of the mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. um rather rightly or wrongly there are um people who like to point and point the blame at the yeah, pff yeah. do you feel as if that's something that uh, will change um i'm i'm not losing hope that it, it will change um but uh if if there's one thing that 
PFF has to do is it has to set the vision. It has to provide the direction. What path are we as coaches, we as club owners, we as schools, what path are we going to take to reach or to reach one, one, one objective, a unified objective? Mm. And what is that goal? Do we have that in place? And it's, it's a big question mark. That's why a lot of, a lot of people here, the, the, the stakeholders in football, we have our own thing. Which is? Some schools, they just want to win for their own school. Mm-hmm. Academies, you know, just putting out programs um, for business. Yeah. Okay. Um, because there's no vision. What, what, what we have our own visions per school, per academy, but I, I believe it's the federation's role to set a common vision and sell that to all the stakeholders. Right. And that vision is not just, you know, coming from, from a highfalutin idea. Mm. It has to be studied. It has to be researched. Um, I, I listened to, to Chris's and uh, Alvin's podcast, and they, Chris shared about, um, uh, yeah, they, they talked about the, um, the manual. The manual, yeah. okay. And then they also brought up um, the, the period when Germany changed its approach after a, a failed uh, European campaign, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and before they even set a new vision, they studied what the problems were. And they did a lot of research. They, they had everyone on board, okay, wh- wh- uh, sought everyone's opinion, the clubs, the schools, most especially the clubs. And then um, they came up with a, with a plan. And that set the tone for, for setting a vision. Um, for, for Germany, um, I think they, they required all clubs to play a particular formation. Mm. They provided maybe a sort of a handbook for you know, what types of players should we be developing for each position, um, each position in this particular style of play. And they, they handed it down to the clubs and they, they gave a mandate. If, if you don't follow, I think the, the, the policy was if, if clubs don't follow, none of their academy players or club players will be considered for the national team. Wow. So they had, they, they had that will um, uh, to really implement the vision yeah. and, have, and convince everyone that this is the only way to go for German football to succeed. Yeah. It's the same way with Belgium. Sure. Um, they, they, came out, they came out with a uh, uh, blueprint for youth development. Um, it, was a, it, it came out after a two-year study. Um, they basically overhauled how, how clubs train their players, how competitions were run. Um, one example was for U7 competitions, they had it 5v5 before, and then after thorough research, like they, they, they saw that kids playing 5v5 in a certain um, amount of time were only uh, making X number of touches, mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, making it 2v2, 
And in a shorter period of time, the kids were able to make like 10 times more touches right. compared to a 5v5 format. So it, it, it's one area of the vision. Um, and for, for, for me, basically, it's, it's having that vision and how do we get there? Right. And then selling it to, you know, to us, to the clubs, to the schools, um, with, the, with the main goal of producing national team players. And um, it's a reality that, you know, you teach 100 players like the best possible way you could, expose them internationally, make them train together. You're lucky to get maybe two, three players who will go all the way. Sure. But with, with that approach focusing on the youth, the, the benefits of football, of sports, mm. the values formation, the um, learning respect, sportsmanship, all of those things, um, they're far-reaching rather than you know, focus your efforts on the top and spend how much mm -hmm. just to get a win, just to you know, progress to the next phase. And the, the, the benefits won't be as far-reaching as when you build it from the, from the ground. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, actually. As much as I'd like to see homegrown players um, reach the very top, um, like you said, it's maybe 2-3% of everybody that yeah. touches a ball, who plays the game of football, that is going to become a star, that is going to become a, an, an outstanding player. That's not what really matters, yes. right? I mean, um, I like I played football growing up. I played basketball growing up. Uh, currently involved in like martial arts, like mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu. Um, it's the same. It's like it's all character building yeah. at the end of the day, right? It's um, it's teaching your child to get up and improve mm -hmm. when they lose, to handle defeats correctly. Um, how do they step out onto the pitch? You know, is it to get a win or is it to improve? Yeah. As you mentioned, right? So there's a lot of those. Um, putting them into these uh, stressful environments and see how they react. Um, there's so many things that you can grab from it that it's it's not it's more than just wins yeah, and losses yeah. in my mind. Right? Definitely. Uh, so it, there there has to be also a, a coaching philosophy shift. That's why I, I mentioned to you about us not you know not talking about winning yeah. with our teams, um, but mostly about setting goals, um, establishing. Um, traits, positive traits, more than more than winning. Yeah. Um, because yeah, in the end, there only there there can only be one winner. Yeah. Yeah. And then if if all teams, you know, all the kids, their mentality is just to win, and not being a winner will you know, w what's what is this all about if I don't win? Right. But the sport is, or all sports is more than just winning. It's it's like what you said, character building, giving your best. Yeah. Okay. Um, so another another side of, of that vision is, you know, setting the right coaching philosophy. It's, it it seems like a tough one though. Like um, easy on paper to yeah. to say that there's going to be one guy who's going to be our evangelist, who's going to set the framework and then convince Good. everybody that this is the right way to go. To me, when I'm looking at it and I'm envisioning it, it seems like it's gonna come organically out of conversations with you, with Alvin, with JP, and and Coach Aris, and um, it's basically just you guys coming together and yeah, and, and talking and 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 agreeing essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. how you guys want to steer the ship because 
it it doesn't seem as if there's more qualified individuals mm. to be doing it. I mean, you guys are highly. Um, what what license are you guys on at the moment? I haven't finished my A. <laughs> I, I lack I lack some requirements. You lack some requirements yeah. on your A, but you're you're th- you're there or thereabouts in yeah. that A license um, area. Um, I think Coach JP same, mm-hmm. right? Getting he his, just took I think his. I think he just license. finished the yeah. the course, and yeah. we'll see about the results. But um, Coach Marjo is A, mm-hmm. I believe. So you guys are all there um, in terms of your know-how of the yeah. sport and your obviously your experience so we'll just be waiting then i guess for for you guys to, to yeah to we've, we've <laughs> actually started um i i we, we had a meeting like just you know uh, an exchange of ideas among young coaches perfect like alvin um a few more avery of fo- football fanatics candice um miguel Bermundo of um dream big filipinas okay. um so we 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 we've we've shared some ideas and thoughts, um, and uh, we we all agree that you know let's do our own job within our backyards, and mm-hmm. hopefully the rest will will follow follow the lead, um, and then once we you know establish something, then maybe that's when we can you know bring it up further. Uh-huh. Um, and ho- yeah, we, we've talked about also, you know, talking to Coach Iris, getting his thoughts, his insights, because he's been there for, for the longest time, and his heart is really for for football. Um, so yeah, we we we're working towards that, and ho- hopefully um, we can have more minds. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, and all of these ideas, hopefully, we also turn them into into concrete actions. Right. Programs. Programs that that can be s- set yeah. in place. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of, of, of what you have, you know, jotted down as mm-hmm. your approach. You feel that would be beneficial to the to the Philippines down the road. But what do you think about you know the, the stature of a Filipino, the general traits that you see mm-hmm. in the footballers that come through? Uh, what kind of style? What 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 sim- what style of play do you see mm-hmm. us implementing that would be beneficial to mm-hmm. to the Philippines? I'd love to see a. A high pressing style of play, really fast paced. Um, I think we can be very good in transition, um, but we have to improve our football IQ. Mm. I, I don't think a lot of Filipinos have very good football IQ, but that comes from not really playing a lot of football, right. especially the younger age groups, um, not playing a lot of free play. Yeah. Um, but with our physical traits, with our like fighting mentality, I think we can definitely play a, a pressing style, right. um, fast pace. I think we have we have a lot of good wingers, um, fast wingers, agile wingers. So maybe a for me a four three three formation, um, but that formation entails a lot of um, entails very high technical ability, right. Um, so it's the job of the coaches, the technical um, department of the federation to you know work on that. Um, yeah, those are just a few of the traits that I, I observe and the, the, the corresponding maybe style that would be best suited for our, our traits. It should be entertaining to watch as well, which yeah. is good <laughs> for the spectators. Uh, speaking of free play, did you get a lot of that growing up? Where Not did, really. Where, where did you grow up anyway? Um, I I grew up in Davao. I lived there from four to ten years old. 
Okay. I played basketball. Really? I I'm a frustrated PBA player. <laughs> yeah. Point guard. I, I'm Point hoping. guard. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, when I when we moved to Manila, I tried out for my school. Uh-huh. I I was fielded for only three minutes. Three minutes. Wow. Um, because the coach um, wanted tall players. Wasn't a believer of Muggsy Bogues, that guy, huh? Not a believer at all. <laughs> so I, I was so frustrated. I, I thought to myself, like, until this coach is kicked out, I won't have any chance of making it to the basketball team. Right. And then I, I was a very active kid uh, growing up. I, I played all sor- sorts of... I wanted to get involved in, in all forms of physical activity. So during that summer, um, I, I saw an, like a post uh, about a summer program in my school and then I had an old pair of boots from my cousin and then oh why why don't I try football mm. and then I tried it and then I think it was like uh, love at first sight for the both of us um, this, I think because I was very agile so the coach then coach Bob Salvation um, he saw me and he was so impressed because I was just running a lot. I yeah. was I was fast. I was quick. Um, and then I remember him on on my first training day. Um, I got fouled, and then he asked me to kick a penalty kick. I don't know how to kick a ball, <laughs> so I kicked it with my toes. Yeah. And fortunately, it it, it went in. So after that, I I started feeling good about the sport, and yeah. then I I just you know it just that that was the the beginning. How old were you? I was 10. You were 10? 10. Yeah. And you were just kicking the f- a football for the first time yes. at 10? Wow. At 10. And this was in Claret? In Claret. Claret in Quezon City. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a great football program over there. I, I yeah. remember going up against Claret um, once or twice back when I was in high school. Uh, I went to CSA and we would go mm. over there and get our butts kicked uh, by the Claret folks. You know, The Claret guys are good. Very good. At least during my generation. Your generation. I, my generation, my team sucked a okay. lot. Like, our coach didn't even come out. Mm-hmm, like, he, mm-hmm. it, it was always like, oh, yeah, is yeah, the coach yeah. going to th- come through or no? And sometimes if he does come, he'll just have a scrimmage anyway. So mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm, we, we mm-hmm. weren't learning. Honestly, yeah. we weren't we weren't progressing our game. We just show up to games and, and do our best, you know, yeah, basically. But I was. reached the time when CSA was really a strong team. Yeah. Uh, this was maybe... Maybe the players were born 96, 97. They were the born, 96. born 96, 97 because oh, okay. I'm 99. I got to play with them. Um, Wait a minute. Born 96? Yeah. You weren't born 97? 99. I'm born 99. Oh, sorry. Born, sorry. I, I'm born 81. There you go. Batch 99. <laughs> there you go. You're Batch killing 99. me. You're killing me. I'm like, how is <laughs> <Sorry>. this possible? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so maybe um, born 78, 79. Okay. All right. The, yeah, the yeah. likes of Greg Mora, Paolo Ansaldo, those guys, oh man, they trashed us. Yeah, 9-0. Yeah. There, there, was a, there was a golden generation yeah, that came yeah, through. Yeah. And that was back then where they were still training mm-hmm. and everything was good. Um, that didn't, Fortunately, unfortunately, did not spill Continue, over to my yeah. to my generation. Yeah, so we were g- going over to Quezon City and getting our butts kicked by these um, these Claret <laughs> kids who were like, "Wow, that kid can turn. He can touch. Yeah, he can yeah. like turn or uh, find room in tight tight mm-hmm. spaces." You know, so it, it was it's is nice to see. And you you were part of this. So yeah. Bob Salvation, um, what was it like being under him? Yeah, you, I see his name thrown around a lot. Um, a lot of people have gone through his mm-hmm. program mm-hmm. and have say great things about him mm-hmm. personally. 
I've not had a, a real interaction with with Coach Bob, unfortunately. But I see a lot of his products yeah. still around in the game. So he must. He's like a, right. a second father to me. I I probably spent more time with him than my dad. Really? <laughs> Because we we. He was my first coach, so my whole um, grade school years, and then a number of my high school years, and then five years in college. So we were we were together for quite some time. So he coached Claret and UP. Yeah. Ah. So he, he's the type. Of, he is a developmental coach, mm-hmm. um, although he shouts a lot, um, but he really focus on, focuses on technical development. Mm. Um, he has a good eye also on picking out. Talents, um, but yeah, and uh, but I think the the most important um, mo- most important um, trait he probably has passed on to me was his passion. He was the most passionate football person ever. Yeah, he lived. He he lived. He would die for football, <laughs> and then yeah. So so I think. For me, at a young age, I was, you know, how can how can this guy love football so much? What what's in it with football? Yeah, and maybe that's when I realized, that, wow, football can do this to a person. And then I guess I was quite inspired by it. I never thought I'd be coaching football. I never thought like I haven't looked too far ahead with my playing career. I. I even thought of shifting to basketball during my last year in high school really because I was still playing like barangay level basketball yeah and I, I still had that passion for 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 basketball so and then but he I needed school so I, I went to UP he was the coach there so scholarship scholarship yeah. yeah full ride in UP what did you take as a course um I finished sociology really and then I took up um sports science Ah, you still practice a bit of sociology. You still read up on the books, get involved. Uh, in not a lot anymore. <laughs> not a lot anymore. That, so so busy with the football stuff. Does that come into play at all <laughs> with coaching or no? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yes, yes. How yes. does that help? Um, especially with you know the the social emotional economic side of, you know the players, you know, um, trying to understand where they're coming from, and then. Um, understanding, you know, the dynamics of the player dynamics, um, relationships. Yeah, it 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 helps. <laughs> so when you, when you moved here to the Philippines, your family, your whole family moved from Davao to Manila. I know. Um, my parents were already in Manila. Ah. So we grew up. Ma, me and my ate grew up in in Davao with, under my tita and lola. Ah. So we moved. We moved to Manila to be with with our parents I see you still go back to Davao a lot yeah the last time was uh, two years ago maybe every two years we, we come home I see you get a lot of talent over there from from Davao uh, do you is that a main area for, for recruitment for UP for or no? UP um, not really because they go to La Salle because mm. one of the the main coaches in Davao went to La Salle so he brings the good players from Davao to La Salle first. Right. Do you think that's going to be the trend moving down the road that everybody's going to be coming from the provinces still and then uh, making their way over to Manila? Or do you think Manila will be able to pr- produce its own talent? 
I think Manila Manila has also been producing its own talent. Um, for example, in our in our current team, um, we we have a good balance. Um, actually, no. For this year, we have more provincial based players. Right, right. Um, but for for the how many years that I've been coaching, um, there has been a good balance. But yeah, I guess the last couple of years, there have been more provincial players. Yeah. Um, the main difference, the main difference that I have observed from Manila-based players to provincial players is creativity. Really? So and it's more of that playing casually yeah, lang? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the difference? That's the difference. Ah, uh, bagay, no? There's, there's very few like open play type situations yeah. here in the Philippines. And, um, uh, in Manila, rather. Kids in Manila are coached too early. Oh, you think? Yeah. So what, what, what age is too early? Mm, as early as U7, U9. That's too early. A lot of coaches, mm. like... Their their main objective is already winning. Right, right. So that's coaching a kid to win. Yeah. Instead of you know allowing them to explore. grow to explore, suck the fun right out of the game. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> All about winning. Um. So when you graduated from from UP, sorry, you went Claret, then UP. You played five years in UP, won two mm-hmm. championships. Mm-hmm. You played midfield already at this time. Midfield. Or yeah. You played midfield. You're not a big guy, right? I'm not. I, I always was I gravitated towards your game because I always felt like wow Anto is like my size <laughs> bouncing off these you can easily identify yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know he's, he's picking up the ball in tight spaces mm. he's he, you know he's willing to receive the ball in those tight spaces always breaking up attacks mm. how, how did you come how did you uh, mold your game growing up um, into that little you know battler in the middle yeah. to be honest I, I don't consider myself as a technically that's a technical player. Maybe, you know, basic technical player. I'm not like a magician with a ball. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but I think I, I I have a good football IQ. I, I read the game very well. I always analyze the game. I, I make it the point that I'm two, three steps ahead of my opponent. Mm. So I think that's my main asset together with, you know, my... My lungs, <laughs> right? Because right. I can, I love to run. Yeah, <laughs> even until now, like you, you, I'm sure you can run some of your athletes into the ground. Oh man, not not I anymore, not anymore. I like, would be surprised. I mean, your your diet's super clean too, right? You're always somehow somehow. Yeah, I, I've kept a bit of the discipline from my playing years. Yeah, I've I've stayed in shape, but not football football match fitness. Sure. There's a lot of people who who stop playing, balloon up yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. not even a year into it, they're already yeah, got the the dad yeah. belly going on and all yeah. that. That hasn't happened to you at all. It. I don't think it will ever happen. Mm. I get stressed when I don't get to work out for two days straight. Ah, uh, you're like uh, as much as possible. I want to work out every day. You're like Ali Borromeo. You know yeah, that guy, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you guys are like that. You guys are like athletes to the core. Yeah. Need to need to be up and running yeah. all the time. Huh? It's it's my fuel. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. At least you know you ain't gotta worry about the dad bod <laughs> down the road, right? Yeah, that's always good. Uh, the playing career, you know, the first time that I met you was actually UFL. I think you were coaching Diliman. Um, we were at a game in Ascom, and uh, I recall how what struck me the most was how mildly mannered you were. You were apologizing to me because some of your team, some of your 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 players were late. And you guys are gonna have to start the game with 
not not a complete roster or something yeah, like this, yeah. right? And while everybody was was bitching at me that day because it was just the start of the the, the competition, everybody had an excuse of a uniform and that oh, mm-hmm. palusutin mo na lang yung mm-hmm. guy ko and um, you know he's gonna be arriving in ten minutes. Don't worry about it. Maybe you could check again. You weren't making any excuses. Mm-hmm. In fact, you were very apologetic about the lateness of your team, and yeah. then you guys got shellacked mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. As <laughs> I remember, like. <laughs> Hey man, the team wasn't great, but that guy was really nice. You know I mean? <laughs> it was a nice way for me to be introduced mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. the community. And then later on, I, to see you play Diliman, and then later on with Pachanga, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, that's the same guy. He's a he's a killer on mm-hmm, the pitch, mm-hmm. man. But he's like super mild mannered off it. But you're like, it, it, it. There's a disconnect between uh, the uh, character that you have on the pitch and the one off it. But when you're on the sidelines, you're also different. Yeah, I, I can be different. It's like you compartmentalize these yeah. three different people inside <laughs> uh, you. Uh, how do, what is that like? Well, how do you work that out? You know, like you, you change, you morph once uh, the football and the pitch uh, are, are part of the mix. I think I'm a f- very passionate person, um, especially with, with football. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do get emotional sometimes. But I think oftentimes I I'm level-headed when needed. Um, but like my pet peeves, like from a coaching standpoint, when when players are not working hard enough, yeah, then I I lose it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But that's me trying to you know influence them to to correct. Mm. Um, uh, s- sometimes I can be compassionate also. Um, especially when when I know that the player is trying really trying but yeah. unfortunately like he couldn't or she couldn't like um, get his or her game yeah. but when I feel that he or she is really trying her best then I can have a more compassionate approach yeah. <laughs> man uh, w- how would you describe your playing career like mm-hmm. is there anything else that you wanted to do outside uh, after you retired in 2017 are you retired yeah, you are yeah. officially. Yeah, I, it, I after I re- as soon as I retired after I retired I actually never looked for like a competitive game. Really? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think the traffic, um, you know, just exhausted me mm. from QC to <laughs> to McKinley. Right, like right. worth four hours in traffic. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I I spent my tank already in terms of playing yeah um i've yeah I, i've had a long career i've had this back and forth of you know oh, I, I might want to to just coach mm. you know with miralco and then i oh, know the actually there was back in 2016 i thought i was ready to retire retire and just do coaching help coach iris with miralco and then the first training session when I, when I got to the training session and the, the players were kicking around, and then fudge, I I cannot kick around because I'm gonna be a coach. <laughs> and then they run through their sessions. Fudge, I I wanna be there. I wanna I wanna sweat. I wanna you know yeah. I wanna get those tackles in. <laughs> <laughs> so after that training session, I I realized that you're not yet ready to mm. to retire. You know, so I I talked to Coach Harris. Coach, I still want to play. Fortunately, there was like, there was an opening in the midfield because um, we had some players injured. Right. 
So, hey, anto, okay, maybe we can we can try you. Okay. Yeah. Yes, coach. I, I I've stayed in shape, and so there. I I I got a break, and then, uh, yeah, went back to playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you've been able to play now. Obviously, you went through your your college career. You went through to the UFL, and then into. Did you make it to the PFL or was it? Yeah, no, there was right. Just two, the first two year. years. Oh, the two, two years, years in the PFL. In the, in the PFL, right? So, you've seen the trajectory of the highest level of the game um, over the last ten years. I would say. Has the football improved, um, and how much has it improved in your in your mind? Oh, from the beginnings of the UFL? Yeah. Man, it probably has improved tenfold. Wow. Um, back in the day when UFL started, there, there was Skya, Air Force, uh, no, not even Air Force, but eventually they joined. Yeah. Um, Union. Union. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this level right now, like th- those overseas players coming. Yeah. coming to play here Shrock you know it just up the level tenfold yeah. um, the, the foreign players are you know have played like first division in Spain so we, we, we have a good good bunch of players yeah. here yeah. Um, both international and those who Filipinos who were who were raised abroad yeah. um, so that alone um, definitely uplifted the, the quality of play in the professional level so what was it like for you? Obviously, right? I mean, you you talk about that tenfold leap. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of that mm-hmm. transition, right? You're a homegrown player produced mm-hmm. in Manila, uh, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Uh, didn't even touch a ball until you were ten. Mm-hmm. So you're already late in the game, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of kids right now who you'd expect it, if we're gonna bridge that gap into becoming a real force against Vietnam and Thailand, that these kids who are ten years old with the ball at their feet are supposed to be magic already, yeah, right? Yeah, at, yeah. at 11 and 12, they should be focusing on tactics. Their technical ability mm-hmm. is already there. Yeah. So you're not there, right? You're 10. Um, you're just touching a ball for the first time. Um, you, you go through your college career going through the level that you're expecting mm-hmm. and then it takes a leap. Mm-hmm. So what is that like for you? I mean, to bridge that gap, to, to, to play alongside opponents all of a sudden, they're like, damn, so mm-hmm. magaling to from what I'm yeah, used to. Yeah, yeah. What's that like? Um... I think I'm very self-aware with my strengths and weaknesses, and I think that's that's helped me a lot with with me as a football player. Um, knowing that I'm not as technical as the other players, I realized that I had I had to work on the areas that they weren't really comfortable doing. Mm. What is that? Most technical players don't like to work; they don't like defending. They don't like getting those second balls. Yeah. They don't like covering for a teammate. Yeah. So those were the areas that I, I covered. So I think a lot of the teams that I played for found use with that kind of player. And not a lot of players want to do that. The job that I, I am willing to do. Mm. Um, that's why <laughs> Phil, you know, Phil Young Husband was the first person to approach me um, when I was playing for Diliman he, he he just messaged me hey Anto um, would you want to com- come over to Meralco and at that time Diliman was playing in the second division yeah. and then he told me um, playing in the first division will also help you 
um, get into the national team again. Yeah, yeah. Um, playing at a higher level and I, for the longest time, because I, I, the last competition I had for the national team was back in 2007, and then that was 2012. Right. But during that period, I, I still had it in me that that desire to one day play for the national team again, mm. um, and. I had a period when I did corporate work, so I was I was out of the sport as a player. Really? So I did corporate work and coaching. What were you doing? Um, I was an executive assistant for this company. Yeah. The uh, a company owned by a former teammate. Really? So I did that for three years, and then but during those years, I I was really you know I I had that. F- that vision that one day I will be given a chance. So, you know, after work, I'd finish at seven. I'd run around the the f- BGC because mm-hmm. our office was in BGC. So I'd run. I, I'd set myself a, a goal, like uh, 10 rounds in X number of minutes. And, you know, there were a lot of moments when, you know, I just wanted to give up. What, what am I doing this for? What is this for? And then I, it, it would hit me that Anto, you never know. You might be given the chance and you want to be ready. So I, I carried that mentality with me f- for those three years that I wasn't playing. So I, I managed to stay in shape. And then, yeah, when the UFL like moved to UMAC, yeah. um, actually Kaya was the, one, the, was the first club I, I, I played for. Uh-huh. Um, so that was the, the beginning. And then, and I was confident to to take on the offer because I knew I was I was in shape, right. and I felt like oh this is one step closer to my goal, which was going back to the national team. Um, and then from there it just you know um, it progressed, and then eventually I, I ended up with with Morocco. I was able to go back to the national team, um, but it was really that that mentality that you know once that opportunity arrives you better be ready yeah, yeah because if you're not you will regret it <laughs> so you got you got you got you get into morocco yeah um phil young husband tapping up the players by the way how how dare he he's over there <laughs> <Dile man. laughs> he, he, he need he needs someone to you know do the dirty job <laughs> <laughs> so he's brought you over and then what was the feeling like i mean you get back into the national team setup mm. right um you were hot property during that time. Yeah. I recall, like you know, it, it was rare to have a good midfielder, and as you mentioned, the one that would work mm-hmm. his ass off. And you finally got there. What was the feeling like playing, putting on that shirt again, suiting up for the national team? It was. I mean, it was. It was really a source of joy and pride for me, considering from considering where I, you know, where I started, so to speak, like not being with the sport for yeah. three years. Um, having my last national team involvement like how many years ago five years ago Um, so it it was it was um, a a huge achievement for me but um, the same time I I I also sensed the gap in in quality because I I got to play with with Jerry Lucena Dennis Kagara those players and I realized man they, they are like from another level, yeah, yeah, and to be honest, I felt like 
I think at this level, you know, just working hard enough, just being smart might not be enough. <laughs> so I also had that realization that and acceptance that um, if I want to ca- catch up, I need to do this full time. Yeah. I have to leave coaching. Um, and at my age, if I leave coaching behind and pursue this, I mean, what's the upside for me? Um, and it's it's like it's not even sure if yeah. I'd be able to compete at that level. Um, so, and I think one one sign for me to maybe tell myself that hey, that's it, you 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 got back, but you know maybe I I got to play in the Peace Cup, yep. some friendlies. Yep. Um, I didn't make it to the Suzuki Cup lineup. Um, so I, I I thought to myself like maybe Anto, um, if you really wanna play at that level, you have to do a lot more. Right. Like giving up your job, sacrificing more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you're not even gonna be sure if you you'd be able to compete. Right. Um, because these players have been playing football like at a higher level and continuously. Sure. Um, so in terms of mileage, uh, they're they're way up there. Yeah. So, so I weighed I weighed you know, and I'm the type of person who who wants to you know feel that I'm contributing something. Mm. So I felt like, hmm, with playing, um, maybe not. I'm I won't be able to contribute as much as when I'm coaching. Right. Because with coaching, a lot of a lot of kids rely on you. And I felt a bigger responsibility when when coaching. <clears throat> wow. So 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 slowly that that dawned on me, like uh, maybe the playing ha- has to you know take a back seat. Was that a difficult decision to make? Um, initially yes, initially yes, because I still had that you know that fire, fire. yeah yeah that fire. But um, realizing that you know I mean. I think you can do so much more with coaching yeah. than with playing. Playing yeah. is just more for myself. Like I'm not anymore a big part of the team. Like I'm, mm. the the team can do without me. Right. Um, as opposed to coaching, if I I let uh, let go of of my coaching responsibilities or not do it like to the best of my abilities, then these kids will also suffer. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible. Um, you know, way of internalizing mm-hmm. that decision. I mean, not everybody is as open with themselves in that regard. You know, that's wow. Kudos to you for, make, for yeah, making but, that. But not after like because back in 2012, 2013, I, that that those years, I really you know I I sort of because th- those days with Morocco were, were very demanding. Um, I, I needed to play at a really high level yeah. to be able to have a spot, and then we had Singapore Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be away for for like weeks. So I, I there were times that I, I left coaching behind. Yeah, and and actually, some of my a few of my players that time were already you know asking me, coach, we're we're or telling me, coach. Um, uh, it's it's difficult when you're not around, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, so that was that was also pretty hard on me sure. because I knew they were also relying on me. 
um, so <laughs> to to have that clarity though, right? To yeah, know that yeah. oh, maybe I'm not contributing the way I I, I can be, yeah, or or yeah. somebody else could be. Mm-hmm. That's not a that's not something that comes to a player very easily. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of ego involved. Yeah. And wanting to, you know, point fingers at, you know, the coach doesn't like yeah, me. He just yeah, doesn't yeah. prefer me, you know. Rather than accepting the fact that maybe, hey, I'm, maybe I'm not the right piece yeah. for this puzzle anymore, yeah. right? Wow, exactly. that's <laughs> that's tough. I mean, maybe that's the reason why you're a good coach, <laughs> right? That what's that? That's the type of personality that mm-hmm. makes you into a, a gem of a coach, you know. And I personally, being involved in in, in football in my own way, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in in cultivating individuals like you, mm-hmm. because I feel like the impact is greater. So I feel like yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like you I, I'm not a person of of you know any sort of how should you say um stature or anything like mm-hmm. that but I would say you've made the right choice in my own personal way because you affect a larger group right if I if we uh, as peop- members of the football community are capable of producing 100 antos mm-hmm. let's say 100 antos 100 Alvin Ocampos then we would be well on our <laughs> way you know what I mean like it, rather than producing players mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, hundred mm-hmm. of those yeah. we'd be better off if we had a hundred coaches yeah, then yeah, we'd yeah. secure the future for the decades to come right because that's of the multiplier effect yeah <laughs> but it, it, it compounds right yeah, I mean yeah. if I if you're a coach you're if you're a player you influence how many games how many teams that's it I mean if you're a coach you affect generation mm-hmm. upon generation upon generation of players right? thank you for affirming my decision, <laughs> my decision. Well, in, any, in any, <laughs> any way I can of, of course uh, but yeah I, I, I truly believe that you know and there are now individuals who are coming out of this UAP um, uh, generation now stepping into the PFL stepping into the UFL game even before they graduate in fact they're already getting a taste of it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. some of them and then when they step up into that next level, I'm seeing some of these young kids now who are not strangers to going shoulder to shoulder with Stefan Schrock mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. That, that has to be tremendous mm-hmm. for the level of uh, growth that this sport is going mm-hmm. to have, right? Now that they say that there's going to be three years at, at the minimum that the PFL is going to run, at least there's a little bit of security mm-hmm. involved, right? I mean, everybody was wondering whether there was going to be a league in last yeah. year. I mean, this year in 2019 or, yeah. And there was a lot of instability. Is that the right word for mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that provided sort of like, where are we going to go now? Yeah. Yeah. Now that it seems like, okay, the PFL is going to be there for three mm-hmm. years. The UAP is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's so many good coaches. There's so many yeah. courses that are happening. Um, it seems we're in the right path, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously, there are still some holes, yeah. gaping holes, mm-hmm. especially in the national youth program, yeah. um, I believe would be something that would be of interest to you, right? Where do you see five years, 10 years? What do you, what's the vision look like for you for Philippine football down the road uh, that you foresee? If I were in charge of making that path for mm. Philippine football, it will be a. I'd probably have to plan for one generation. Okay. It cannot. I don't think it will happen in this generation. Okay. I like Maybe this. Maybe it, it's going to be a, a 20 year plan. I like this because we're starting from scratch, right? Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. start from scratch completely, let's say if it's a 20-year plan, then these kids are not even born yet, mm. right? So, um, yeah, sure, go ahead. Run me through it. Like, okay. I, I'm very much interested to know because people talk about the World Cup. Mm-hmm. People talk about this and that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's possible, Yeah, right? Of course. But 
if it is to be become to become something of a regularity in the Philippine mm-hmm. uh, setup, yeah, there needs to be planning involved, and it could take twenty mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to be a one off. Yeah. So, what what does that look like? How do you feel as if we become a, a true player in in the game of football? Um, I I go back to what I shared earlier with regards to kids playing in the streets. Okay. So maybe like hopefully in the kids that will be turning four, five this year should be playing in the streets already. Mm. Um, so the more kids playing in the streets, the 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 better for us because we'll have a. Uh, a wider base. Does it matter to you if it's on the pitch or on 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 concrete or if, um, on, on courts? I agree with Chris um, when he said that futsal is is uh, a very good technical development area for kids who want to pursue football. Okay. So definitely, I I'd go for futsal, and it will be more suitable for because we don't have a lot of spaces for open pitches exactly but we have a lot of courts, courts basketball courts um, so yeah definitely street street football mm-hmm. okay and then we I want to see a barangay level competition mm-hmm. so all barangays having their own futsal or street football competition and then um Aside from that, we'll have the the of course the field field um, competitions, and then we need we need the process of identifying and selecting potential players, right. Br- and then you know bringing these players together. Uh, Chris and Alvin mentioned the elite program, mm-hmm. so which is missing, but is slowly um, slowly. Uh, being implemented by a few clubs, sure, but very isolated. Um, we need that. So all the best players playing together, all the best players playing against each other in one competition. In one competition. So it's got to be like YFL, but Manila, yeah. Davao, so, yeah, Visayas, yeah, we have Mindanao. District. Like the 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 best the best format actually is what Palarong Pambansa is doing. Right. District meet. Um, provincial meet, regional meet, yes, and then national meet. Perhaps not as compressed as Palarong yeah, Pampansa, not right? as compressed, yeah, because it's yeah. A, it's too quick. It's too yeah. quick to decide the winners and all of that, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. And um, I'd want to move away from a more from a school based program to more of a community program hmm. or a club based program, but. Clubs that are based in the based community. in the community. I see, um, because then you can have more support. Um, the the parents, the friends, mm-hmm. the you know family members. Yeah, they will come out and watch right. because these kids are from their community. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's the method of most most countries. Yeah, um, is it doable um, in our country? I I think so. Um, so that that's one method of also promoting the sport. Hundred percent. That's gonna be huge yeah. for promoting the sport. But it kind of runs into your area of, of of responsibility at the moment, right? With with teams recruiting mm-hmm. players uh, for university, yeah, um, yeah. enticing individuals with through education mm-hmm. to to come and travel from Mindanao and from Visayas to come mm-hmm. to Manila. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you combat that? Um, 
in other in European countries they have uh, an age cutoff that allow clubs to get players from because they're the the they have a, a restriction like a five kilometer radius for okay. maybe I think that that only applies to U12 U14 kids okay but once they're in in U16 um, clubs can now start getting players from all, all over. over so in the beginning it, you're gonna implement the community based yeah we can do that yeah until around to promote like locally based yeah. players until around high school late high school yeah yeah and then they can start being picked off by universities yeah after that yeah but but I- ideally still clubs you, s- you mean yeah and and because the scope of the club is bigger than the scope of the schools yeah um uh club-based communities uh, community-based clubs can, you know, accommodate more kids mm. as as opposed to schools. So I think there has to be a shift from a school-based competition, a focus on school-based competitions, to a club-based one. Right, right. So I, I think that's also vital. Now, what do you do with NCAA, UAAP? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a way that, you know, we can <laughs> converge and, you know, um, make everyone happy uh, yeah. as long as it's for the development of the the sport. Um, so there, and then um, eventually you 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 implement your vision, and then playing style, playing formation, player characteristics. You'll have coaches education all over. Um, hopefully, the your your professional league is uh, stabilized yeah. um, because kids also need heroes or idols mm. from that professional league and your senior team as well um, but I, I think even if even if you know you don't have a very successful um, senior team yeah. uh, as long as you know the kids enjoy the sport I think they will keep on playing mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter if you know they they can look up to someone, you know. Um, so that, that that's uh, that that could be the approach, right? And then, um, yes, yeah, set national age group competitions, and then from those competitions, pull together the best players, uh, form a national team for those players, mm-hmm. and you know have a have a football calendar for one year, for example, uh, the AFF competition the AFF U16 competition is in June then set a U16 national competition maybe maybe 6 months prior right so you have enough time to choose and to prepare the team for that particular competition mm-hmm. um so I, I, those are the 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 steps I have I have in mind yeah it seems like it's uh it could become something that 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 comes up and becomes a thing of um, uh, regularity. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like it, it doesn't seem far fetched, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. You know, the, to to put that into place. And a lot of a lot of LGUs now are, you know, putting putting money supporting um, local clubs. Yeah. Like Laos, um, from what I know, Quezon City and Valenzuela. Yeah. They have their they support a football program mm-hmm. run by run by Laos which is a huge huge step because really? yeah you you get kids kids who cannot afford yeah. get to you know get exposed to 
to football and you know they play competitively Laos the football club yeah here in the Philippines yes ah they're still active I didn't know yeah in in the youth nice they actually just sent a team to Borneo Cup if I'm not mistaken really yeah it's funny that you mentioned the, the barangay level you know because I feel like that's the most underutilized section yeah. sector in mm-hmm. in uh, Philippine football yeah. at the moment we have the very low ones like at the at the the underprivileged communities get served and then the private schools get mm-hmm. served mm-hmm. but everybody in the middle is kind of like uh, bala yeah. na kayo yeah. Yeah. so that's where I think a lot of the work needs to True. be placed um, there's so many kids I think like 80% yeah. of the kids are there and you know when you watch the YFL like maybe 70% of the kids like you, um, Chris and and Alvin, got to talk about the play for pay program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pay for play, play for pay. <laughs> it's a uh, pay to play. Pay to play. There you go. <laughs> pay to play. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, seventy percent of the kids playing the YFL are uh, pay to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I I hope. You know, there would be an increase in you know, kids not having to play and they get to compete at that level. Yeah, hundred percent. So what what's keeping you busy right now? Obviously, you've got the two teams, right? You're no longer playing, but um, there are other ventures that are mm-hmm. in motion at yeah. the moment. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, uh, we started um, Aspire Football Academy um, back in last last year, uh, and then we joined our first competitive. Um, we joined our first competition this year, the YFL. Uh, we we have U seven and U nine kids. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a passion project that's been you know in the back burner from my playing years. So it was something I I really thought of doing um, after I retire from playing. Um, we have a good group of coaches, um, all from UP. And then, um, yeah, we, we're we're trying to set a coaching philosophy that's that's that that we feel is more aligned with development, okay. um, more athlete centered, um, not at all winning. Um, and then, uh, we 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 built it from the ground up. So U seven and U nine. Um, and next year we're we're gonna have a U11 team, and um, so all 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 my experiences f- as a player and as a coach, um, you know, observing other clubs, um, other countries, um, their programs, um, we're we're trying to implement uh, um, ideas ideas that have been gathered from all those experiences into this um, academy yeah so hopefully uh, we, we we can make um, this program like a, a benchmark for youth development in the country um, um, but we're we we are also keen um, keen in uh, working together with other coaches uh, like what I told you earlier We've met with Alvin, um, Candice, Avery, Miguel uh, to you know to set a path for youth development, and mm-hmm. hopefully we can 
come up with a blueprint blueprint of youth development one day yeah. um, so we we want to share also our ideas um, yeah ho- hopefully it, it works but so far we, we've we've seen very um, a lot of positives yeah. um, the feedback from the parents have been very good it's you know it, we we had to transition their their mindset from um, um, winning mindset you know a lot of pressure on yeah, the kids yeah. to a more um, process oriented approach uh, we, we're slowly getting there I think the the parents appreciate our efforts uh, of focusing more on um, character building um, you know some parents naman are very demanding with, with regards to uh, technical acquisition mm-hmm. but I believe that our program um, also uh, prepares prepares our kids to play at the highest level um, we, we focus a lot of, on ball mastery uh, our playing style is a build up a short build up um, playing style so we, we, we do away with long balls yeah. with punts so everyone each kid gets to touch the ball more often um, and then we try to be uh, as inclusive as possible we have um, girls in our U9 team um, uh, we, we try to give playing time um, to our kids uh, we, we as much as possible we we don't you know allow just one two players to do dominate. their dominate yeah. yeah so it's it's more of a, a, a team approach but of course we encourage individual individuality as well yeah um, because in the end football is like one v one yeah um, but we we try to instill at this early age um, how to work together as, as a team but yeah. we we never compromise individual development for team development um, so those are some of the ideas that we're, we're implementing into our program how, how were you getting a lot of your your players uh, at the moment right now most of our players from the u7 and u9 teams are from Ateneo mm-hmm. we have um, a few from Claret a, f- a few from Savior. Our girls come from Poveda and Miriam. Mm. Um, so, Quezon City based, yeah, mostly. Yeah. I see. And if they weren't wanting to get in touch with you, is what's the best way to do that? We have a Facebook account. Okay. Aspire, Aspire Academy. Football Academy. Aspire yeah. Football Academy. So, definitely check that out. <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about were the rumors that the under 22 team are going to have uh, uh, a, an outfit involved in the PFL in the upcoming mm-hmm. season, right? Um, are you a fan of that? of that approach yeah. putting together something like a young lions yes. type of situation I, I've been throwing this out there with uh, other people in the football community mm-hmm. and one thing that I, I've been saying as a point of contention mm-hmm. uh, individually personally yeah, for yeah. me is how do you then take advantage of the outlying talent because if you throw them into an under 22 team for example you are less likely in my mind to get a LeBron James or mm-hmm. a Lionel Messi you know, okay. Messi is then 
used to playing alongside Ronaldinho. Mm. He's yeah, used to playing yeah. alongside other stars in Barcelona rather than playing alongside his peers mm-hmm. in an under-22 yeah. team, right? Um, the first thing that came to mind was the young lions of Singapore and the young elephants of Cambodia. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I think it was Laos yeah. who p- played in these last Southeast Asian games, right? So they're a cohesive team, been together the entire yeah. year. Crap. Yeah. They were atrocious during mm-hmm. the SEA Games, mm-hmm. right? And then what I saw was a lack of that one special player mm-hmm. couldn't even, he wasn't available. He couldn't yeah. find yeah. him, right? Whereas I feel as if there are 17, 16-year-olds who are special, who if you put them into a regular team, a mm-hmm. regular club, he will more likely flourish and fill his potential yeah. rather than putting him in an under-22 setup. What are your thoughts on that? Um, very valid thoughts yeah. or arguments. Yeah. Um, actually, when we began handling the U22 teams for the pre-Sea Games um, competitions, uh, it was one of our proposals to have them join um, the PFL yeah. uh, because the preparations were, were quite short and mm-hmm. we needed games, yes. competitive um, matches. Um, I think cohesiveness-wise, mm. it can benefit the the players 100%. um with your argument of uh the messi lebron argument just the outliers yeah yeah, yeah 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 um it it if if we have a a solid program from the u14 u16 up u19 then i don't think it we can do away with having them all together in one team mm. um, and maybe allow them to play for different teams yeah. um, because you've already established uh, maybe partly the cohesiveness and the playing style early on yeah. from the U14 up to the U19s. So um, it will be easier for them even if they play separately when they get back together, it will be easier for them to, you know, get back to their familiarity. Right. Um, but as is with our case, that we don't have that luxury of developing the system of play, yeah. of knowing the players early on from the U14 up to the U19 yeah. age groups. Um, I think having one, having them all together in one team compete in the PFL would, would be beneficial. Yeah. Um, short term. Short term. Yes. Well, it's been like an, an hour and change here. <laughs> so we've, we've had a chance to talk. It's been a real pleasure for me to have you here and, and to sit you down and uh, really pick your brain about these mm. things. You know, um, I wish you the best of luck in the upcoming UAP Thank you, season. Jim. Thank you. Um, it's your real asset to the Philippine football community to have a, a man so insightful and uh, you know ego-free in my mind. You know, willing to work with everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. And with the with the with the mindset of we're gonna grow this together. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to grow this, and yeah. everybody has a part to play. So yes. hopefully, we'll be crossing paths for 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 many hopefully. more times in our you know in, in our tenure in Philippine football together. I'm sure you're gonna be back on the show. I hope you come back <laughs> and speak <laughs> with us with, again. <laughs> when Chris Greatwich is here. Okay. I'm sure it'll make for for a nice chat. But yeah. thank you so much for you're welcome. for spending you're welcome. the time. Find him on Twitter, guys. Um, I think it's and Anto G. Six. Six. <laughs> you can find him on Instagram. I think it's Antukin. Antokin. Yeah, <laughs> Antokin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, anywhere else that they can find you? Um, That's it. Check out Aspire <laughs> Football uh, Academy. Yeah. Uh, definitely do that, uh, if, especially if you're in the uh, QC area. Mm. Yeah. Anto, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Catch James. you again soon. Yeah.
Appreciate it. Uh, folks, if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy the football content that we produce here on Across the Line, please do subscribe to the YouTube page on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Check back through the episodes. Make sure to comment, subscribe, and uh, um, leave us some, uh, um, some, some questions, some suggestions, all of that on our social media, Across the Line on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for watching and enjoy the rest of your football Friday.